Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, everybody, and what better time to discuss rugby than in the immediate aftermath of a Lions test victory? Yes, it's South Africa, zip, the Lions won. What a victory it was, what a day it was, and we've got some a great panel here to discuss it. Owen Slot in our number two Cape Town studio here in the Mother City, uh, and myself. We've also got two other fantastic guests, actually both football fans as well. We've got Sam Warburton of Tottenham Hotspur and Stuart Barnes from some other North London rubbish. Oh, no way. Afraid so, Sam. Afraid <laughs> so. Oh, dear me. Oh, well, that's a split. The panel split immediately. Um, Sam, no one knows better than you how hard these tests are to win. And people are saying it wasn't a very good game. Well, you know, to hell with that. But what were, your, what were your impressions? And uh, you must have been thrilled for the Lions that they've taken the lead. Oh, it's massive they won the first test because I think only I, in the test series I can remember anyway, I think ever, the Lions really come back from losing the first test once before, you know, in 100-odd years. So with mm. South Africa likely to only get better, you'd think anyway, given the lack of game time together, if they lost the first game, the Lions it would be very difficult to win two on the bounce against what you would think would be an improving South Africa team. But I thought it was, I, th- I think we probably appreciate the game compared to the casual fan because we realise how important the aerial battle, the kick-in battle, set piece, every scrum, every line-out mall penalty that goes aside's way, you realise the significance of it. So I love the game. I-, I thought it was great. It was nip and tuck. I thought there was a really tight TMO decisions, which I, I feel, which I'm sure we'll delve into, which hmm. if you're South African, I'm sure you'd be a little bit frustrated, but it was a proper test match. You know, these games are rarely going to be more than a, a score between either side. And uh, I, I do think, though, just about the best team won. So the Lions reacted really well in the second half and and uh, put in a really good performance to, to see it over the line. Stuart, um, first of all, you know, we're divorced from the reaction here, but just before you tell us what you, your initial impressions were, how big did it play over there? I know the, is it playing there? I know the Olympics are on, but uh, is, is it sort of captured some of the imagination over there? To, to be honest, Steve, um, 
I haven't pulled myself away yet from the uh, battle up front yesterday. And uh, uh, certainly in the village where I live, there weren't flags uh, trailed from cars or anything like that. So it, it, it's hard to know. What, what I do know is um, a, a, lot of, a lot of my mates who have, have got very fed up with rugby during the pandemic for, for all sorts of obvious reasons, Suddenly, in the middle of the week, they were getting into the game. As for winning, I'm sure it, it'll make the uh, second test figures much, much bigger for Sky. And certainly, um, you know, Sky's coverage had an hour and a half build up. They threw everything at it. So, I think with the football out of the way and the Olympics in its infancy yesterday, um, there would have been a major surge in interest in rugby union. But fair enough. Owen, we, we've uh, had the same theme every week since we've been out here, and that is that it is still so odd and, and almost devastating because the, the, the mother city this morning and all the environment and everyone, everyone around should be knee-deep in comatose red jerseys. Um, and we, we said before kickoff yesterday, it still does not feel right. You still cannot get used to it. How much of uh, uh, was that? Does that detract? You think from what was a fantastic win that we couldn't share it with with thirty thousand people? I think the thing for me, Steve, is it, we were sitting in the, uh, next to each other or near each other watching it, and and, and when the referee's blast went to start the game, I, I, I'm not sure if I felt as riveted, but. It felt like I was as glued and, and, and in the game and, and, and spellbound by it as, as I would have at any time. But, but you know, it was, it was sort of a, a great dramatic spectacle, you know, whatever you, you make of the sort of the, the entertainment level of the rugby, whatever people might say, which is sort of by the by. But the, the, thing, that, the thing that really struck me is, is I remember that sort of um, that euphoric moment when the final whistle went and, I think it's mm. fair to say I don't really tend to support the teams I write about anymore. That kind of you work that out of your system as a sports writer, which is a slightly disappointing, but it happens. But the, the, the Lions is pretty much the, the, the only concept in sport that I that I really feel that I have a team. Um, mm. And so th- that moment of euphoria when the final whistle went and they won and you felt great and you you knew that the whole series was on and we were going to have a great few, you know two more great weeks. But like literally once that moment had gone. There was silence in the stadium, and I just felt like someone had turned that switched the lights off, and, and, that, and that was it. That was it till next week. So that's how I felt. I felt that was really disappointing because normally, you know, the throngs of fans would have just kept the noise going, as you say, until this morning and right the way up until next Saturday. But sure. <laughs> that's just I, the reality of it. I, I want to speak about two players. Uh, come to Stuart in a, in a minute about the Elliot Daly experiment. But Sam. Um, Many people have tried to get at the essence of, of Maro Itoji. Um, you, you played with him. You seen him close up. I just wonder whether even you know even you c- uh, c- can actually not um, quite work work the guy out because he's a, he's a, he's got a sort of myriad faces and he's got million other interests. But my goodness, what a fantastic rugby player and how well he played yesterday. That's that's the reason before the tour I was suggesting Maro to be captain. It's no disrespect to Alan Wynn, who was a phenomenal captain, but, but I know firsthand the pressure captains under when you're not quite hitting your straps and you're on a Lions tour. So, you know, I didn't want that unnecessary pressure to go on someone else. But the reason I said Maro is because he just he just doesn't dip below 
eight, nine out of ten ever. And I think he just, I, I, I can't remember a game I've watched him where he hasn't been influential apart from the beginning of the Six Nations, I think, because obviously he was a little bit slow having um, not played much top flight rugby. But now he's got rugby under his belt. Whenever he's got rugby under his belt, he, he's always there, there about, you know, I remember we were once um, pitch side for uh, BT Sport, the Champions Cup final. And it was myself, uh, Lawrence, you know, Delali also, you know, with us at the times. Brian Adriscoll, and, and he stood next to us and we we spoke to him briefly for a few minutes after the, the Saracens won. This is back in 2019, I think, up in Newcastle. You were there, Stuart, as well. And we, we literally looked at each other and we're just like, wow, like what an athlete, you know? And uh, he's just such an impressive guy. And given his professionalism, how serious, how passionate he is about the Lions, you can hear the way he talks. He's very proud to play for the Lions. You put all that in a pot, it's no surprise he's one of the world's best players and if he doesn't win world player of the year in his career at some point I'll be stunned but yeah Maro is just at the minute I, I felt it before tour uh, even he's going to be one of the first names on the team sheet without doubt and he was phenomenal last night Owen? Yeah yeah just just on the Maro thing I, I I I so enjoy watching him last night but um, when when we've written about Maro in the past in, in the sort of is he what is he the best player in the world or one of the best players in the world the only part, the only error of descent comes from South Africa. He'd, he'd, he'd never, correct me if I'm wrong, but I went back through this. He'd never had a definitive performance against the Springboks before. And, and, and I think uh, that there were South Africans who, who thought that we were overrating him. Pro- probably not the Springboks themselves or the Springbok management. But I don't think he'd persuaded the, 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 the Springbok public. Um, so I, I don't think anyone could be in, in, in any doubt about that anymore after yesterday. That's, that's fair. So, I mean, just you mentioned Alan Wynn there. You, you were always very famous for wanting to be an abs- absolutely 100% before games. You know, you, you, it seemed to niggle you if, if there was just a, if you had a niggle sort of thing. Would you have um, come back from Wales two weeks after dislocating your shoulder, come back on an alliance tour? Would you, you know, my point is many people wouldn't even have have bothered to come, but not only did he bother to come, he got back into the team and he played the whole bloody game. I said for the game, I think he played the whole game. And the thing with his shoulder is, um, I think some people say it's the great medical recovery. I'm like, (laughs) we can't be naive. It's it's a great medical misdiagnosis, to be honest, to to start with. I mean, because I think that they, they, they ruled him, they ruled him out to the tour. Um, before they even had an MRI confirmation, which is, I, I thought I was, they must have had a shoulder specialist at Murrayfield who said, yeah, no, his shoulder's gone. He obviously went home to Cardiff, had a scan on the Monday morning. They went, oh, crikey, um, yeah, your ligaments are still intact and your shoulder capsule's fine. So yeah, you, you can actually get back within four or five weeks if you want. So that's obviously how, how it happened. But don't get me wrong, if I was Alan Wynne-Jones, I wouldn't have had the ability, which is to his credit, um, I would never have had the ability because he hadn't played since like May the 8th, 18th, started a full game and played a full game. He had since May the 18th, something like that. So it's about nine weeks. He had seven minutes against Japan, 30 minutes off the bench. Mm-hmm. I would never be able to play 80 minutes in a test match if I had that much rugby. So uh, that's just not, I wasn't that sort of player. I needed about two or three games to get up to back up to speed. So I think to his credit, that's a phenomenal effort to come back from two months of not significant game time and to play a test match. But I I think he's got lots of motivating factors. I think he's always been destined to be uh, a Lions captain. Um, I I really think if the Lions got a series win, it would just top off 
what is a phenomenal career, amazing professional, one of the all-time greats. So I was really pleased that he's come through and hopefully now he can see the Lions to, to a series win in the next week or two. Well, well spoken. But Stuart, you and I, and, and, and indeed in your columns, you've spoken a lot about <clears throat> Elliot Daly over the years, fullback, centre, etc. Uh, he, w- he was put into the outside centre position by Warren Gatland. Um, it was seen as a challenging attacking ploy, really. Which, which seemed to me to come off the rails when they gave him an impossible ball in the opening stages and Lucanio Am absolutely m- murdered him in the tackle. Um, and, and in my opinion, Elliot rather struggled throughout. What was your um, impression of the way they played? And especially as Alan Wynne-Jones said at the end, well, next time we play, we're not going to go so far out the back all the time, which really put them in trouble. First of all, thanks, Steve, for making me the killjoy again, going straight to the negative parts of this game. Um, <laughs> well, you can't expect the rest of us to be controversial. Uh, <laughs> I'm just going to say, I've I've written about Atoje destined for greatness since he captained England in the under-20 world final in 2014. Um, so credit to him, credit to Alan Wynne-Jones. Credit to Eben Etzebet, who went 80 minutes. That's good stuff. Now, to answer your question. Um, I knew you'd get round to my question eventually. Yeah, to answer your question, Steve, um, there are a lot of people, when he was announced at 13, said, well, that proves that um, Eddie Jones doesn't know what he's on about, and he was wrong all along. Selection doesn't prove anything. The players then have to go out and do it. And, and Daly, I, I've always thought, is a wonderful rugby talent. I've always questioned his ability to play in the front line of the midfield as a 13 because there's a certain delicacy. Now, I don't think the AM hit impacted upon him, uh, but I just think he's a player who needs time and likes time to see things, to use that left foot, to find Mm. space. You play 12 or 13 at this level of test rugby, with this level of defence coming at you and you're going to be tested all the time. And I felt that Daly wasn't used well by the Lions because they almost gave him ball and said, um, you're our playmaker, do something from 13. And that wasn't going to happen yesterday. And I thought tactically it was wrong and I feel for him there. Um, I, I feel the Lions might very well go either Harris at 13, or they might shift Henshaw there and play um, Bundy Aki. Daly, to me, still has a role in this uh, test series, but I think it, it's a role coming off the bench as a, as a cover pre- primarily for the back three, fullback or winger. And, and right now, if we're saying anything, uh, I think you would say that Eddie Jones might have been right about Eddie, Elliot Daly. Great player, not necessarily a 13. I thought that Elliot was um, was the real disappointment of of the of the game, uh, but but I wouldn't like pin that on on him particularly. I thought the whole reason for his selection is, is that we were going to see stuff that they've been working on. But as Barnsley said, they kind of gave him the ball and said, "Right now, now do your thing." Um, but they hadn't they hadn't planned planned moves and tactics around it. So I, I for that reason, I, I'm with you all, all the way on that one. I, I just can't see the point in picking him again in that position because they'll never get the time and dominance to give him the space to do stuff. They, they either have to have it worked out absolutely brilliantly beforehand or go to something a, a bit more basic, which I imagine is what they're going to do. 
Sam, uh, you mentioned uh, the controversy that, and the uh, the TMO, etc. Um, this is a quote um, from the Twitter account of Mark Keohane, who's a journalist. He says, Marius Yonker, and don't forget, he's a South African journalist. Marius Yonker, regardless of your nationality, you didn't have the balls to make a rugby decision tonight because in your heart, you know that Willie was not in front of the kicker and that Hamish Watson should have been carded. You despicable p- <laughs> and there's actually a two-word uh, end to that, which I can't read out. Sam, what did you make of it? Because the TMO decisions did have a huge bearing, and there were quite a few of them. This is where like, we can't get carried away. The Lions did finish the game very strongly, and you look at it in the, the A game as well, it was very similar. But there was moments in that game... So say, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe the on-field decision at the time was a try, wasn't it? Well, so, you, time, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so you had to have significant evidence that it wasn't. I don't think there was significant evidence that it wasn't a try. I, I would have said he was bang in line um, and I would have awarded the try if that was me. If somebody said, Sam, you have to make this call now, I would have said, oh, okay, I don't think there's enough evidence to prove he's offside. Uh, I think it's a try for South Africa. And that could completely change the complexion of the game. So even though I thought the Lions in the end were deserved of the game, that one moment could be pivotal. I think we're looking at, say, maybe... like it, I wouldn't say the Dale Andy try would be one of those moments because it, it, that was an obvious knock-on from Colby. But we're looking at two significant moments in the game. That was one of them, uh, which I think that should have been a try to South Africa. And then I also thought Alan Wynne-Jones and Dan Bigger's decision to go for the corner on the 44th minute rather than take the three points and they eventually got... The, um, they got the driving line out, tried straight for that. That was a massive moment. But if I was South African, yes, I'd be feeling very frustrated this morning. Warren Gatlin played this really well. He put just enough pressure on Yonkers in yeah. the middle of the week. I don't think there's any doubt at all Marius Yonker wanted to be objective. But I think when you are from one of the countries involved in something as big as this, then he was always going to bend over backwards not to help South Africa, but to ensure the entire rugby world realised that he was neutral. Uh, And Sam is absolutely right. It's all in the words of it. You know, had the official lines said, uh, I'm not sure, can I award a try? You'd have said "Mm, no. But when the referee says, I think it's a try, there was absolutely no defining evidence against that. And it was an utterly erroneous error because of the, of the ruling, because of the speech. He he had to say there, no, there's, there's not enough clear evidence. Uh, Sam's 100% right, and I'm afraid Yonker was 100% wrong, but he did it because he wanted to prove to the world that he wasn't a biased South African, and I feel a bit sorry for him. In my opinion, it's got to be clear and obvious, but I think people are now interpreting that as to mean he's got to be 50 yards in front. I I thought there was a de- definite opportunity there for uh, the TMO to re- to rule the tryout. I really did. Uh, you could see a lot of the ball when it hit um, when it was struck, and I think it, it, there was a definite chance. So I'll ring Mark Keohane and tell him tell him no, um, guys. <laughs> It's one. It's one nil. Everyone fears a Springbok backlash. Sam, I just wonder whether, and we know there will be one. 
But was it significant that when the bomb squad came on, this fierce and and renowned uh, South African second-half set of forwards, that actually they'd made no impression and the Lions got stronger? Now, those guys are going to come strong again, but do the Lions know at least that they can hold them? I was never uh, wary or fearful of the Springbok bench. Um, and I didn't really say it to him, so I didn't want to sound disrespectful. And when we were talking before the game, Ron O'Gara said the same. And I don't even think New Zealand had as good a bench as the Lions four years ago. Nobody will have as good a bench as the Lions ever. It, it, you can't because you know these countries don't have the player pool that the Lions have now. The Lions have a ridiculous player pool to pick from. You're bringing on international captains off the bench. There's about three, four guys who'd three guys who captain their, their country, I think, you know, on the bench at one stage or another. It was just, I was never fearful of that. And I remember in 17, um, we used to go through some of the game data uh, when we finished test matches. And when you play New Zealand, they're the highest tempo games you play in. And you judge the coaches and the fitness coaches judge the intensity of a game from what we call running metres per minute. So how far you run, each player runs per minute on average in that game. Normally, obviously, as you can imagine, the first 20 minutes of the first half and the first 20 minutes of the second half are the fastest. But against New Zealand, and this is always Gatlin's plan, he makes sure he factors this in on his bench. He wants that bench to be able to come on and lift that. So when we played New Zealand, the minutes in the last 20 minutes, the running metres in the last 20 minutes were higher than any point in the game. So meaning that the bench are coming on from the Lions and lifting the intensity of the game beyond where it's been in the first hour. So, and that's to finish the match. Bear in mind you're doing this against South Africa who haven't played an international test match, significant one, um, no disrespect to Georgia, for, for 20 months. <laughs> That's why the Lions finish better. So the Lions bench will will always be better. And I thought they had a massive part to play on the game on the weekend. And the South African bench just didn't bring that intensity. But even if South African bench come on, there's only eight players, you know, that the rest of the guys aren't conditioned like the Lions guys. And I thought it was going to be the one definitive factor between the two teams where they're so level is the fact that uh, even though South Africa have been playing rugby, like, like, like Rainbow Cup is nowhere near, nowhere near what a Lions test match is going to be. I'll, I'll tell you now, nowhere near. So the Lions boys have experienced that international intensity over the past 18 months, you know, so that was a big difference for me. How much difference can a, can a week make between the first and second test for the, for the Springboks? Because as you said, their conditioning was behind, but an extra week, is that going to be all the difference or how much difference? Yeah, you're, not, you're obviously not going to make physical adaptation, significant ones in in seven days. But you, it's kind of like a... I always remember meeting with Sean Edwards um, when I was playing. And I played Australia a handful of times at home, but never played them down south. And first time I was going down south to play him, and he said, um, this, he said, trust me, it's different down here. When you play Australia at home, the energy from them is not the same because they're not at home at the end of their season. When you go down there and play, it's just a, a different level it's at a different intensity and I remember going down there and, and the same applies for all the three Southern Hemisphere teams you go down there and it's just different it, 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 they just raise the intensity so much but because I didn't see that on Saturday I, I, I don't they'll get used to it so I think the, the big thing that South Africa learn is they'll get used to that intensity see Achilles he hasn't played you know he's been playing Georgia a bit of Rainbow Cup suddenly he's playing it's the best boys from Brit, from Britain and Ireland God, it's going to be a massive shock to him, the intensity, a massive shock. So I think they'll get used to that intensity now and they will benefit from it. They will be better. But then 
South could get better, but they're playing also a team who only eight of them have played together before. They're going to get better as well. So the edge is definitely with the Lions right now. Stuart, um, as you're a student of the game and uh, would have watched both sides keenly, if you were if you were Razzie and uh, and his coaching staff and the team, w- apart from coming out, you know, at double speed and double intensity, what else could they do? What else are you, uh, can what tactical changes can they make? And would you stick with Pollard, who really struggled? Well, you've got to stick with Pollard. He, he, on his day, he is the most controlling fly half in international rugby. The question was, do you start him um, in the first test? Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't start him in the first test when, you know, he's been, he's had his injuries all year at Montpellier. He's had COVID. He's got no game time. So if you put him in the first test, it's almost a certainty that he's going to get better. So to answer the Pollard question, yes. I think the big issue is, do South Africa change their entire philosophy? I think they like the fact that we were all in awe of their bomb squad, as they Mm. called it in the World Cup. And there were players like Kitsoff and Marks who were first teamers, but they were coming on in the last 20, 25 minutes to, as Sam said, raise the game at that level. And it worked really well. But in the space of a week, having had COVID, having had so little rugby, I don't think they can go from where they were yesterday to where they were in the World Cup final. So, again, I I wonder, do the likes of Kitsoff and Marks start the game? And and forget this whole clever bomb squad thing, because if South Africa had got one or two more scores and blitzed the Lions in the first half, that game may have been done. And the Lions may have come back hard in the last 20 but the, the the gap could have been too big. So if I was a South African management, I would say let's throw everything from kickoff and try and get clear of the Lions, not pick them off in the last 20 metres, so to speak. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Owen, oh, um, Sam and Stuart have, have both spoken really brilliantly there about the lack of impact of the bomb squad, etc. I wish they told us at half time because you and I were thinking, oh God, the lines are way behind and now the bomb squad's coming on. So I wish that we'd understood all this before. But um, to be fair, um, ma- 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 um, the front row who, who did come on, come on uh, Mako, uh, the sheriff and Carl uh, Sinclair, there were question marks against them. Um, Mako went down in the first scrum, uh, but and we thought, oh my God, this is going to be painful. But my goodness, those three and the rest of the pack stood up really well. I'm, I'm especially thinking of Carl Sinclair, who's had criticism, but he looked like an international prop yesterday. Yeah, that that first one <clears throat> when um, Mako went down, uh, he, his his body position was slightly wrong. It was right underneath us, and we we could see mm-hmm. that. And we were going, oh, oh God, here we go! And, and the referee, bless him, he just he called for a reset. And we and um and we all said, if that happens again, then that's it. And and actually, what happened was was um they held it out that time, and we were we sort of sigh of relief. And then I think it was the very next scrum where um the absolutely just astonished astonished the whole stadium, all all thirty three people, or however many people were in there watching. Um, when they when they drove them backwards, it was absolutely extraordinary that bit. Yeah. Um, and then um, every every scrum thereafter was just rock solid. They didn't budge an inch. Uh, I mean, yeah, what a what a statement that it, it, it's, it's such a cliche about Springboks. If you if you take away their their, their power, if you take away their, their position of dominance, then you've really got to them. And uh, and that's what that's what happened then. Sam, it's irresistible not not uh, uh, not to ask you about the the breakdown. How did you feel? I mean, it, it, there was some huge men in in there. Um, who who won the battle, or was it even? And what struck you about the breakdown, the refereeing, and the whole the whole phase? Yeah, I thought it was, over the game it was pretty even because South Africa had the dominance in the first half, where the Lions were giving away penalties. And then the Lions had the dominance in the second half, where South Africa were giving away penalties. But I just think South Africa, they were giving away penalties because I think a couple of reasons. One, I think they were fatiguing. And when you fatigue, you make poor decisions. And whenever you train at international level, you always train and you try and train under fatigue because you that's when you need to challenge yourself. It's easy to to run attacking plays when there's no defensive line and you're all fresh and everybody's, you know, you know it's, it's easy, but you've got to try and replicate line outs, replicate scrums, replicate starter plays, replicate defensive sets and training under extreme fatigue where, where it's really difficult to communicate. And, and that's what I saw with South Africa in the second half. They were just, the Lions weren't even 
penetrating their defensive line significantly. They were just holding the ball for five, six, seven phases, not really making much yardage. And then South Africa would just give away a penalty. And I'd be thinking, what are you doing? The, mm. the Lions aren't going anywhere. All you need to do is be patient. Just be patient in defence and trust that the Lions are going to be the first team to drop the ball or get impatient, have an attacking kick, which you can then sweep up with your back three. But they kept chasing it at the breakdown. It wasn't happening. And they didn't have anyone on the pitch to say, I, I'd remember the, the, the great leaders I would have that were like coaches on the pitch. You'd have people like Gethin Jenkins who get the boys in. So lads, he's given us nothing. For the next two defensive sets, don't compete on the ball. Let's just have a full defensive line. Let's just keep them out. Let's just go phases and be patient. And like, you need leaders like that. To, you can't have coaches bringing on messages all the time. You need to be able to problem solve like that in the game. South Africa just didn't, didn't problem solve during the game. You know, they just didn't do it at all. So the edge was with the Lions, but I felt that was because of their superior fitness levels. We could see in the game, the Lions at all costs were not kicking the ball off the park because they want to keep the, the, the minutes high. In a game of 80 minutes, a high game of ball in play time would be about 40 minutes. So Gatland will know if you can take South Africa beyond 40 minutes ball in play. So you do that by keeping the ball on the park. Come 60, 70 minutes, that, that dam will break. And, and it did. You know, South Africa didn't have an answer. They were gone, you know, with 60, 70 minutes to go. So that is, again, I think, smart from the Lions, which is playing to their strength that they've had lots of international rugby and South Africa haven't. Stuart, can talk to me about the Lions halfbacks. A new combination. We thought it was going to be Connor Murray till he started playing quite poorly on the tour. How did the, 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 the two halfbacks as individuals and, and the combination do for you? I will be honest with you, Steve. I am desperate when we come off this pod to watch the game again because I was glued to Itoje and Etzebet and I was sort of sucked into the, the the war going on in Sam Warburton's area up front. And I, I do need to watch that again. I, I thought not bad overall. Neither of them uh, dominated, but... I think the South Africans, for obvious reasons, were not able to get on top either. I thought the quality of Price's pass was good. It was quick. It kept him going. The box kicking started slowly, and I think he will come under more pressure if he starts again. Dan Bigger, it it wasn't his greatest game, uh, but it was a first test against the South Africans, and he didn't let the Lions down. And I think he's definitely done it more right than wrong to be the starting 10 with Owen Farrell uh, coming off the bench again last week. I think if there is going to be a change, it's understanding the intensity that South Africa will bring. They can't make a hundred percent improvement, but they will be 40, 50% tougher. And I just wonder whether psychologically you want the mental strength and understanding and know-how of, of Connor Murray at nine, that would be the one area I think uh, a halfback where you'd say maybe we make a change. It's not that Price did badly. I think the Lions don't want to get shell shocked, don't want to get hit early in the first twenty. And for that reason, I don't know what you think, Sam. I'd, my I would like a nine who's got the poise and the and the experience to play that opening twenty in the right part where South Africa can't get a blitz of penalties and get fifteen points up. I agree. I think um, I think from watching the South Africa A game, and this shows how South Africa did improve, there was loads of uh, examples, wasn't there, of South Africa being really narrow. So the, and, and to be honest, I thought it as well. I remember the lines were thinking, oh, if we can get outside this blitz defence from South Africa, then we're, we're in, boys. And, and 
Gallen doesn't give much away in his post-match interviews because he doesn't want. He didn't. He's not going to say when you ask him, "Oh, what did you change second half?" He's not going to say, "Well, we did. We changed the length of our kicks and we did this and we did this," because he doesn't want South Africa to know what their plan was. But he sort of did say, "Oh, we tried a bit too much," and that was basically saying in the first half they were trying to get to width quite early, weren't they? They were trying to get outside, and Alan Jones acknowledged it. Um, Gatland acknowledged it in his post-match interview. It's obviously something he spoke about at half-time was we're trying to go wide, right? It's not on. We, we just got to go back to basics. Got to go to, like, that's where Conor Murray came on. I thought he was great. And Owen Farrell, even in attacking positions, they were box kicking well. They were kicking behind the staff and wingers and just playing the territory game. And I know people say it's boring. I, I'm sorry, but it wins. At, at this level, that stuff wins. You've got to couple it with great attack and you strike when the iron's hot at the right time. But for 90% of the time, you need to build that. You need to get territory, get possession, and then you go when the time is right. And I thought that's what the Lions did much better in the second half. So, yeah, I, I agree with Stuart. Owen, the old adage, never change a winning team. Will you discuss that concept with regard well, to the second test match? What about the old adage of never disagree with Sam Warburton? Or, um, oh, I think uh, we've established that. Yes, yeah, yeah, so, so, so I'm, I'm slightly struggling with that one. Also, uh, Sam, Sam taught us a lesson in his uh, preview column on Saturday morning when he said, he said um, question, has, has Warren Gatlin got the team right? And he said, well, Warren Gatlin knows more than everyone else, so of course he's got the team right. So, we, so we're, we're in no position to disagree with him anyway. So basically, I'm just going to agree with everything Warren Gatlin does apart from, and, and here goes, I, I don't see the point in picking Elliot Daly if it's going to be a rerun of, of, of yesterday. So mm-hmm. e- either, either play the game that he was picked to play for or, um, or, or put Chris Harris or Bundiaki in. I, so I, I would change that. I think um, the uh, loose head's really interesting because it's indicated that Wynne Jones will probably um, be fit. In which case, do you go back to Wynne Jones starting and, and Rory Sutherland off the bench again? Because if the Lions are going to come storming back in the last 20, as, as discussed, and, and Mako can hold up the scrum as we saw yesterday, then he's the best player in the world for that. You, you want him on your, on your bench. He's got to come off. So I would have keep Mako as my, um, as my loose head uh, reserve player, um, whatever happens. I think there's got to be a question over Luke Cowan Dickey. Three lineouts uh, lost in a row, two of which were definitely his, uh, his fault. Would you change that or, or, or has he got the worst behind him? That, that's something they'll be discussing. And I think Jack Conan will be discussed as well. But 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 again, has he played his way in, in, into the games rather than out of it? Stuart, your change your changes if you're the sole selector. Well, I can't believe that Owen is so lily livered and not prepared to take on Sam. I can understand, but Warren Gatlin, come on! Um, <laughs> I, 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 I think Warren got a few things wrong. We can't turn around and say uh, the daily isn't a thirteen. Um, uh, and then say, but he was right. He, you know, I, I, I think, I think Jones understands the strengths and weaknesses of Daly's game, perhaps a little bit better than Gatlin. So he gets that wrong. I think a hooker. I've watched Luke Cowan Dickey in his club career and his England career so long, and he's a brilliant player, and he was astonishing against the Stormers. But he was never going to batter them as a ball carrier, win five turnovers, and do all those. Things that look wonderful. Um, it was always going to be a question of the line. And I, I, I felt there was a time in the game when Etzebet started moving his feet and shifting in the line out. Immediately, South Africa got to the Lions line out. And 
there was a moment when the game looked in the second half like it was going to slip away again and momentum was going to shift back. And I, I still think Cowan Dickey is an impact player. There's a risk to his throwing and whether you want to go George or Owens, I don't mind, but I think Cowan Dickey is a worry. And the other area I, I think is Adams has to come back in. Van der Merwe has had a great tour, but South Africa will target him again. The halfbacks will kick better. There'll be question mark there. And I'd also say he didn't know when there had been a previous knock-on uh, that that knock-on was going to be given. He went for the line and Eben Etzebet made either a, 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 a high tackle that should have been a penalty or one of the great cover tackles of the decade. Now, this game is going to be tight. There's going to be a, a few points in it. If Josh Adams had had that ball 20 metres out and it's the winner of the game, Etzebet does not make that tackle. And I think... Van der Merwe is in there because he. the, the phrase being used is eating up metres. I want a winger who is going to score that try that wins you the series. And I think Josh Adams is the man to do that. And I think he should have started yesterday. And I think he will start next week. Sam, your, your, your changes? Yeah, I think um, the team would remain the same apart from... I think Wynne Jones would probably come in to uh, start at Loosehead. And that's nothing against Mako Vanapola, who I thought was phenomenal. Phenomenal when he came on. Um, He was brilliant. And it's not because I don't think uh, Mako's not our best Loosehead, but I just think the impact he could have, and it's a compliment to him, the impact he could have coming off the bench. Uh, If he has the same impact again, it goes a long way towards the Lions winning. All Wynne Jones has to do is just give the Lions parity at scrum time. Um, for the first 50, 60 minutes, then Mako can come on and, and do his thing because he provides a lot on the loose as well. I think Toby Falatau, uh, sorry, Tolupe, I keep calling him Toby and I keep getting uh, keep getting people on social media flying into me. It's because I've called him Toby as a friend for the last decade, so hopefully people can forgive me. I, I think Tolupe Falatau could come in at number eight. Uh, Jack Conan has been great, don't get me wrong, but I didn't see enough to warrant uh, staying there for, for the test series. And, Admittedly, I think Toby's been much quieter than normal, but I think he deserves a chance um, given his history and and he's uh, and how good he's and we all know how good he is. Toby could come in, Talupe could come in at number eight. Um, I, I think as well that midfield. Um, listening to uh, what a lot of people have been suggesting, I think we could go with a Aki and Henshaw at uh, twelve and. 12 and 13 as well. But other than that, I think, yeah, Adams, I was really surprised. I, I, I've i heard through the grapevine he might have had um, a bit of a dodgy sternum going into the game. You know, he went down in the, in, the, in the game before. So if he's fully fit, I think we might see Josh Adams instead of Van der Merwe. And like something Josh Adams does, which is hugely underrated and, and watch out for it if he does play is his kick chase is like nothing I've ever seen before. When you watch him as a winger, he works so hard and he hits and his effort to hit is so hard to put pressure on the opposition catcher and at ruck time as well. I think um, he could get back in the fold as well. Uh, just just for my own um, view, I was absolutely staggered that Liam Williams didn't start the match, um, especially when we realised he was fit. Stuart Hogg had a superb game, uh, not not infallible, but superb game. But I really do think that dealing with the high kicks was a problem. And uh, Liam Williams is so good at it. I would definitely consider playing him on the wing instead of uh, Van der Merwe. It's very hard on Josh Adams. But I think there's no way that they're going to stop kicking and kicking and kicking at the Lions. I, 
I'd play Chris Harris in the centre because I think he's on form. I would definitely keep um, uh, Ali Price, Stuart, because uh, that one game where Conor Murray looked absolutely athletic, he looked terrible and that, uh, a couple of games ago and that just counts against him. Win Jones would definitely come back. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I would like one of the other hookers, Ken Owens, or I mean, what a player Ken Owens has become, or Jamie George, and definitely uh, Tolupe Falato, um in, in the back row um, with the goad of having been dropped. Hey, can I just ask, Sam, a very quick question. Sia Khaleesi, in terms of what makes a great seven, does he tick those boxes? I remember something you said, Stuart, before, and it was hard actually to disagree when uh, in the World Cup. You know, with Francois Lowe playing so well, and Francois Lowe has been one of the best sevens I've played against. Phenomenal number seven. And uh, a lot of people were saying Francois Lowe should play instead of Sia Khaleesi, weren't they? And to be honest, from performances, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. And I was chatting to... Um, David Flatman the other day, actually. And he said the same thing. He asked Francois Lowe about that and how he felt not playing ahead of Khaleesi. And he said that he wasn't chatting to him in like a podcast or interview. It was just behind closed doors as two mates privately because they both live in Bath. And he said Francois Lowe just cut him straight down and went, no, Khaleesi is our leader. And I think Khaleesi has a, an impact on the squad that is beyond what we see behind closed doors. And I, I sort of said that um, quick example in my article about uh, Jeff Parlin. Uh, some people might not have seen Jeff Parlin as a massively influential figure on the Lions tour in 2013 from the outside. But for me, I remember thinking, Christ, he could be an England captain. Like, he was just so impressive off the field and the way he galvanised teams and the boys during the game, in the week, half-time, post-match, pre-match. I, I think Khaleesi must have that effect on the South African squad. He's obviously a, a good player. There are players, I think, who have might win more turnovers in the game, might have more pivotal moments. But I think his his influence on the squad must be beyond what we see. Because um, he's obviously a top player. I see some more influential sevens than himself. But I think he's, he obviously has a hold on the team that, that we can't appreciate from the outside. Steve, that's certainly a view that we've heard here, isn't it? That, yeah. That there, are, there are plenty of people here who go, he, he's not our best seven, but we still need him in the team. He, he, what, what, what you see doesn't stand out as, as an amazing open side flanker, but there's something deeper than that. And people like that, people recognise that over here. This is South Africa after all. And, you know, the racial problems, there have been riots out here, the racial problems uh, are there, and there's still a suspicion of, of teams that come out with too many white players. And I have to say that Sia is just absolutely fascinating what we're saying here, that he's not the best, he's not the greatest player ever, but he is the greatest leader and unifying force. And what a fantastic reason to pick someone in the team. Steve, I was going to say, I, I don't dispute there are there are many things that are bigger than just sport. It's a game when all is said and done. And, and I, I did write that thinking South Africa should play Francois Lowe for the final. And I think I was wrong about that for all sorts of reasons. But it is interesting when your leadership fails in the second half and you're looking for something extra it's not there. So, again, I mean, I go back to Sam. South Africa are sacrificing something, it seems to me, to have a great leader. And that second half <clears> yesterday, there were question marks being asked because I didn't see the lead. I, I said this to Gatland in 2017. Um, I, I didn't want the Lions captaincy in 2013, so I felt too young and stuff, even though I was probably arguably playing better rugby back then. 17, I felt I had one of my best six stations I had. 
Then I got injured. And then in that tour, when I was playing, I, I remember seeing the Gatland. I'm only operating at 70% here. Uh, and I actually was a little bit embarrassed. I thought, I want, I want the players to see me at my best. And at the minute, I'm not at my best. But I really wanted the captaincy in 17. So I, I genuinely felt, uh, no, no disrespect to anyone else who was in contention, but I remember thinking... 13, I didn't think I was the best guy. 17, I thought, I am. I, I really think I'm the best guy to lead this team. And I think a lot of that was down to, obviously, you know, the management of, of referees and things like that. But like you're right, Stuart. If, if so, I, I wasn't doing that in 17, because I was, you know, I remember I had about seven minor injuries playing in that, in that test series. But if I wasn't able to influence the game elsewhere, then yeah, it would have been difficult to pick me because I was—I don't think I was playing my best rugby in that test series. I was playing well, but I wasn't playing at the level that I knew I could get to. So if Sia Khaleesi again, I was—I wasn't seeing the decisions on field being made by the team. You have to problem solve on the field at the same time. And it's not just Sia Khaleesi; it's you know you, you need a leadership group of four or five people. It, it bottlenecks and comes through Sia. But but the, the South Africa didn't have a plan B and, and listen to Ronan O'Gara, you know, I, I love listening to Ronan because he's number tens get the game better than most people. They just see the game differently, you know, past tens. And you know, he's obviously a top coach now at, at, at La Rochelle and taking them to a Champions Cup final. And he said, if you can if you can lead South Africa, he said, I, I don't think they'll he said I'd be very surprised if they could come back from a deficit because they've only got one game plan. And it seems if you take that away from them, they don't have the ability to have a plan B, you know? And I think that's what the Lions massively can take, for, say, when they when they took the lead. When they did take the lead, South Africa haven't got a plan B. So I didn't see the didn't see a whole lot of leadership coming from the South Africa side of the field. Um, so, yeah, I agree. If you're, if you're not playing the house down um, and you're not making an influence on the pitch from a leadership perspective, it's hard. But I would definitely stick with Sia Khaleesi because... He's still he's still grafted throughout the game. He's going to get better. He's had COVID. He's only played Georgia. He'll be much better for the hit out. But it'll be interesting if the same happens uh, next weekend for South Africa. They're, they're going to have to make some some changes in their team as well. Guys, we've um, we've I think we've given some unbelievable insights from the three of you for to what's happening out here. I just have to tell you this: that tension is rising in South Africa because at eight pm tonight, President Cyril Ramaphosa is going to address the nation live, this is true, and he is expected to announce the end of the ban on alcohol. Uh, Slotty, I just wondered how you'd found the ban on alcohol, uh, whether you found any loopholes, and um, <laughs> how much you expected uh, looking forward to the president this evening. Uh, that, that's kind of a, <clears throat> a loaded question, Steve, isn't it? Because I think I, I'm a walking directory of restaurants in Cape Town that are, are breaking the alcohol ban. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, we've danced around it like uh, like Cheslin Colby would have danced around Van der Merwe if he got decent service. Uh, yeah, it, they call, they're calling it the um, uh, the South Africans call these um, presidential addresses a, a family meeting. It's you know when dad sits you all down and tells you uh, how you're all going to behave for the next fortnight. So yeah, family meeting tonight. Um, so the alcohol bans, um, uh, we're, we're, we're over that because because we can dance around it. But what we need is the curfew to to, to lift because the, the the 9 p.m. restaurant curfew or any curfew means that. That you that basically your last orders in a restaurant were eight o'clock, and um, and that's just that's just no way to behave, is it? Do, do you know, should I tell you what's pathetic? Sam Warburton wouldn't even notice there's an alcohol band down there, would he? 
I, 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 honestly, I reckon I drink like two times a year, and that's when somebody's shoving it down me. So uh, I wouldn't have even known. If it's a chocolate ban, I'd be, I would be in a bad place. But alcohol ban, I'm fine. Steve, has it already been acknowledged that if the alcohol ban's lifted and the curfew's lifted, then we're not going to be filing or, or doing the, the rut for the next week? No, no, we don't. Well, our, our barman's going to be standing there at eight o'clock, according to him, but with, with the keys in his hand. Uh, <laughs> Owen, give us your uh, uh, God of the Week, your hero. Yeah, my God of the Week is the Sea of Red. Um, so uh, uh, listeners will know the Sea of Red are the 30,000-odd fans that follow the, the Lions everywhere and, and, and make it so wonderful. So the Sea of Red was standing outside the Cape Town Stadium two hours before um, kickoff yesterday, uh, and his name was Colin from Bolton. Uh, he was wearing a Lions shirt, and, and, and he was the one-man uh, one ocean. Um, so he, he, magnificent effort from him. He was standing there hoping to get a glimpse of, of the Lions coach as it drove in. So, um, yeah, sea of red. Colin, well done. Stuart? Four years ago, those 30,000 sea of red people were singing and chanting Oh, Maro Itoje after oh, right. the second test in Wellington. There was nobody in Cape Town yesterday, but in the absence of 30,000 Lions fans... I'll go, oh, Maro Itoje, he is my God of the Week. Finally, last word to Sam. Yeah, for me, um, obviously, Maro is a standout player, but I think off the pitch so much can influence a game. And just kind of going back to Stuart's point at the start, I think Warren Gatton is such an experienced coach. You cannot underestimate everything he's gone through from Heineken Cup wins, Grand Slams, you know, two World Cup semis, Lions series, his fourth series as a coach. I just think the subtle pressure he put uh, to publicly say, he didn't have to say anything publicly, but he knew if he publicly said something about the TMO, uh, like like Stuart said, he would probably go above and beyond to prove he wasn't biased and he was neutral. So I just thought that real subtlety in the press takes the attention away from the players. It puts the attention onto the TMOs and the referees, which gives the players a little bit more freedom so they're not being discussed. And I just think himself as a head coach, I think he played that very subtly but perfectly. I think there are three very good ones there, but for me, all in second place, the God of the Week must be Marius the Young <laughs> uh, because of his fantastic contribution, according to Mark Kehani. Guys, I have to say, hand on heart, it's been absolutely joy to listen to all three of you and uh, the inside. I, I learned a lot. I hope our uh, listeners did too. Don't forget, Ruck is uh, twice a week now. God bless from Cape Town. Keep on following us. Thank you to Sam Warburton, Stuart Barnes, Owen Slot. We'll be back soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.